Good evening, morning, afternoon, whatever applies to you, and welcome to yet another EuroLeague. I know that I actually said last time, like, I'll see you guys next amount of months, but honestly, my brain's just so frazzled from how stupid this schedule is that I just completely got lost in the source, and I don't know why I said that, because obviously, there's more games, isn't there? So we're back. Uh, I am joined, as always, by, of course, Mr. Kira, and also... The former heretics and rogue strategic coach. And lest we forget, Mark Merrill's personal coach, if memory serves, Mr. Seal. And I'm not sure, Seal, why I'm not seeing that little bit of trivia on your LFT tweet, because that seems like the highlight of your career at this point, surely, no? Yeah, coach, I mean, at this Mark. point, yeah. 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 <laughs> but is what it is. Anyway, before we get into all oh. things League of Legends or any Mark Merrill-based trivia... Uh, I do have to ask you guys my patented would you rather, which of course this season is esports themed, isn't it? And today's question goes as follows, right? Nice little bit of throwback to any old school LPL watchers, which is which historical team, which historical team, which historical ADC, if you were the GM of a team, would you rather build said team around? Wei Zhao, Name, or imp. Start with you, Kira. If you had to start a team Ooh. and you got to pick no, what, an AD what, carry to build what around. Period that, no, what period? No, what period did I get off them? So, well, you get. I would just say you get obviously because like imp, I guess, goes slightly later than the other two. So you're taking their level equivalent to their era, right? And no, no, as I'm like, would you call it like as in like that? Just get to like, like you know, like that. That I just get to have like. And from like how many like two years, years you like get you their had... best two years you get their best oh you get the best two years yeah, right okay let's do it. uh keep it simple. Imp, yeah Wei Zhao or name if it's just two years if you're getting their best two years you're taking name i don't think that if it's just their best two years i think you're taking name uh i'd be name Wei Zhao imp fair enough what are you thinking seal do you concur honestly this is before my time so i actually don't know these players except imp oh fair enough yeah, but um, I'm going. I'm going to go with Imp anyway because this guy's a winner at life. He went to China. He made the big bucks, right? Heard he has a super hot girlfriend, and he made gajillion dollars to just chill, and now he's enjoying life. I love so, how uh, hot girlfriend has apparently trumped that he did win worlds as well. By the way, just want to throw uh, that one out there. It's not that important, is he? the only one on the list that is actually a world champion. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah. Just to give a bit of context, what's really funny is out of all these players, like, Nami's obviously, like, the biggest winner. Like, Nami's trophy case is a joke, because in Season 4, he won every single tournament, apart from Worlds and one LAN in China, but he won nine tournaments in one year, which is... That, it's still never been, uh, it's still never been broken. It'll never probably ever be broken, because the open circuit's dead, so go on, Nami. But uh, Imp's uh, Season 5 Summer... Maybe one of the best periods of like ADC ever. It's definitely up there. But this, this it, is the uh, really this is the interesting thing though, right? Because if we take Seal's approach, if we sort of reframe it as like, who would you rather be? What's interesting is that obviously, like at any given time or at a specific given time, you could argue that Wei Zhao and Name were both like the best player in the world. Certainly, the best AD carries in the world. Like in at their absolute apex whereas you would probably never say that of imp but imp has i mean whose career would you rather have right like imp's probably made well definitely made way more money and won worlds 
and as Seal says, has a really hot girlfriend. So like, the, when you look at the it like interesting that, thing about uh, Wei Zhao is I, I'm doing a bit, lot of research right now about old League of Legends for Izzy's career, and Wei Zhao was one of the only players that you can watch him at any time period, and his game would still work. It was like it's still good now. Not laning, laning's garbage. Okay, laning was just garbage. But if you actually look at like how like he team fights, like how like he like thinks about like damage ranges and all all the good stuff. You know what I mean? Like Summoner's Economy, that was like a big one. Wei Zhao was so ahead of his time. It's unbelievable. Imp won with Mata, right? And the yeah, he, they won in yeah. It, so, it was part of Samsung Galaxy. Samsung I was White. I was a casual back then, but I I must say this: I would rather like one world's trophy than like 10 lec trophies no yeah but they're not 10 lec trophies or 10 lpl like land tournament trophies i don't know i, th I think i'd still prefer worlds like That's isn't worlds fair. like i, I can't convince again it's all uh, it's all about the framing though because if someone says like you have no other information <laughs> other than you can pick between two careers one career you will win a world title that is the one guaranteed thing another career you will win 10 lec titles that is a guaranteed but you don't know anything else surely you have to pick the 10 lec titles because then you've got guaranteed longevity and presumably that moolah running through your veins whereas the world thing could be a one and done like there have been players i mean what happened to i don't know fucking looper actually did looper win worlds I think he did, yeah, look right? at what yeah, works. He's a top player on Samsung. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah sorry. Yeah, what the fuck happened to Loot? Like, Heart. Looper went on to RNG and was like a good top player with Matt again. Heart became the coach of like loads of LPL teams. Sure. I, but my I, point I, is, like, you know, LGD. and then, uh, yeah. These people didn't do like mind blowing things outside of their world runs, right? So, I don't know. I think I would take the. 10 LEC trophies, personally, on that one. What One note about Imp, and you'd actually have to, Imp is actually a perennial underachiever. And a lot of people don't realise about Imp. Imp could have genuinely been one of the guys that, like, like Deft. You've got to remember, Deft and Imp are from the same yeah. generation. Actually, technically, Imp's one uh, generation older of, like, play, but I'll not get into that. He won the very first opening season of uh, OGN 2013 against Faker. Uh, they beat Flamings in the finals. Imp's ADC on that team. He walked the Royal Road. He's a Royal Roader with Ma. Deft played 2013. Uh, no, uh, I don't think he played the opening on in spring. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe off, but I, don't, I digress. Like, what do you call it? it, it, it my memory might be the thing. But Imp is actually a perennial underachie uh, underachiever because Imp and that team could have won, like, everything. Like, they lost to Blue in 2014 all year. Like, Imp could have played all the way into 2016. He lost to Den Death in 2015 Spring Finals. It could have been LGD at MSI winning with Imp. Like, this guy just, it had, like, an unfortunate, like, circumstances, even though he had, like, such high highs. It was, it was actually, his career was fucking nuts. Yeah. Right, cool. Now, on to LEC. And we're going to jump around a little bit here, but trust me, there is method the madness of the order of doing things but we are going to start by looking ahead to bds versus Fnatic, which is obviously um the loser of this game uh this series will be the team that plays against uh the golden guardians i believe from north america so this is a really interesting series just from that perspective and then obviously the winner continues on in the bracket towards montpellier so let's start by talking about bds uh and i want to start with you seal on this what what do you think of bds bds to me seemed like a very interesting team like i i love the way thorin like umbrellas them by saying they just look like an ERL team in in LEC and that's not like as a you know as a, as a negative but it's yeah. just 
the names seem like fresh and fun and they have like seem to have a pretty high ceiling but also fairly low floor like what is your read on on bds and was there anything by the way in the sk series that surprised you at all or did that go how you thought it would i mean i agree with uh i agree first of all i agree with thorin in the sense that it is kind of an erl team in in the lec um but i don't agree with cranny being put in that mix because like i mean cranny played in sk then he played for you know vitality yeah and then he played um for bds now and then he also had his stint in academy of course but he did quite well in the masters i believe was it top two he came in the masters as well but i mean like cranny from actually hearing him play and I've been, I was in the same team as him when he was uh, having that stint in Vitality. I think this guy makes teams better because he, he plays with resources really well. He's really smart around the map. He's kind of the Niski of bot lane. That's kind of how I see him, right? Um, and he just makes teams better. So that, that's super interesting um, that uh, Thor made that comparison. But I, I agree with everything but uh, Cranny. And then the other one was the SK versus uh, BDS matchup. Um, I don't know. I thought it could really go both ways. I was really surprised at how the game went, like how the series went, because it was just so one-sided in a way, right? I mean, I was just so surprised. Uh, I guess uh, if Shio is playing well on, on the BDS team, I feel like this team looks really, really good in general. Like Shio and Adam. Adam has his ups and downs as well. but Yeah, I think the interesting thing with... Um... The BDS, again, kind of in the way I framed it, is that if spring BDS shows up, SK have 0% chance to win that series, I think. Like, they're just way too limited. But the reason why ahead of time the series was interesting on paper is because BDS hadn't ever really looked quite like spring BDS and SK have, like, a more of a stable um, or a floor and a ceiling much closer together, right? So I think that's why that series ahead of time had intrigue but then as you say as soon as the players you're not sure about i.e shio adam for example show up to any extent i don't think they can really really win that uh kira what did you i mean what do you think of bds currently and and were you surprised i can't remember i think didn't you i think you picked bds as well to win that series didn't you i can't remember uh, but what, what i mean what did I, you make I, of the I, I series well like? i well have picked them you know like i'm just a bds hater in most regards i think of the players in that team pretty shit. I think BDS, the whole like mythical like unicorn of like BDS uh, spring doesn't doesn't actually really exist because it was like a flashpoint. It was like a you know I mean it was like a time period of like certain teams being up and other teams like being down. Like uh, they I, did I win thirteen on... games in a row though, didn't no, they? I, yeah, but I also think they like they, they majorly took advantage of like things that like went on the league in league. Like I I still contend that if you watch the series, like Mad Lions and G two are still better than better than both of them. Um, what do you call it? The Mad Lions like do like crazy stuff in the game. Like BDS, and I think it it does go all the way to five games. Yeah. Which series? Sorry. And and spring and spring it went yeah, to five yeah, games. Mad, went to the yeah. Five. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and then the reverse sweep, wasn't it? Yeah, it's two zero. Uh, yeah, but yeah. if you actually go look at one of the games that like Mad Lions lose, it's like literally, Carve breaking like the rule of Israel and Ian forward and dying. Like you know what I mean? Like BDS don't really win it. Like Mad Lion just like lose it in that sense. Like I was never impressed with BDS. You know, I was always getting laughed at for rating them last, and then like they would like just piss all over my head. But that being said, I think BDS gets like a lot of shit because they have like 
first of all, I agree. I think Crowney's by far like better than his like pedigree, um, and pro and the best team in the player in the uh, the team generally. But I don't think he's been that good as of recently. All the Samira games made me really fucking sad. I think they were all like terrible. Um, he looked really unpracticed, barely able to like land like the Samira combos. And if you're like picking like Samira with a, not the priority, but with like you know. Because they picked it back to back games, I think, um, when they went, got put out in summer, uh, you know. Yeah. I think that was really, I think that was really, really worrying. Um, because the that, drafting that, got that, super weird, like during yeah. that Mad series, it got really so, weird. That's I mean, they, like, gi- they gifted us the win too. Like we were, we were in groups, and they just randomly decided to pick Samira, and it was, yeah. it was like, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> in, <laughs> unless you've got like a scrim pick. I mean, the first one was good. I think the second Mm -hmm. game was not so good. Anyway. Yeah, but which I get. But even in the first game where it was good, the execution was bad. And then you then run it back into worse conditions and you still can't execute. And so it's just... Unless you... like Samira is one of those ones where... Unless you've got like a dedicated Samira picker or like team, i.e. like OMG in China, I wouldn't touch it. Even as confident as like all the information can make you. Um, but Jen, that's just like me just looking at them in hindsight. This series here, I think Adam's like one of the strangest players ever. Yeah, for because sure. like he's one of the most narrow players, and he really is narrow to the point where it is actually a problem. But if you look at like a bunch of um, like the things that like people attribute with BDS about being good, a lot of them like come from like Adam. Uh, He's just, he genuinely is perplexing. He's interesting to watch. But I think the the problem with the team is you have very, like, diametrically opposed, opposed players where, like, when I think of Crowney, I think of, like, a, an ADC specialist who's, like, super good on, like, consistent scaling picks and, like, playing from, like, uh, with, like, gold advantages from range. You know what I mean? And winning, like, long drawn out, like, team fights. And then you have, like, Adam, who's, like, all or nothing, like early game, like snowball, like champions, and like when Adam's all or nothing goes to shit, it fucks Crowney. And when like Adam's like all or nothing goes really, really good, they often use it to like scale for like Crowney. But a lot of those like champions like don't like supplement like the place. Well, well, let me hit you guys with the Reddit conspiracy theory that's been going around on Adam, right? Which I assume must have originated in France, because uh, yeah, it's an there interesting one. So the theory goes that Adam. Even when Adam's inting, he's actually smurfing. And the, the, how, how this basically goes, I think they were talking about like, it was either a Darius or an Olaf game where he just kept running in and dying, like almost immediately, but that BDS would clear, clean up the team fights afterwards, like every time. And they were attributing this to Adam seeing like this window that no one else could see, where he's like, if I just spam all my cooldowns now, <laughs> even if I miss, like, even if I don't get the flash. The, the fight just becomes so chaotic and disjointed that I have done all the maths in my head and my team's going to clean up these fights. Now, I don't know. Like, obviously, that is the most extreme version of that take. But, Seal, do you think there's any truth that, like, Adam's kind of chaos style, if we, like, fuck me, that's a that's an archaic uh, LPL term right there. But that Adam's, yeah. like, yeah, Ad- oh, fuck it. Adam's chaos style actually creates openings for them or do you feel like when he has the games where he's running in and dying he is he is just kind of inting no i actually agree with you he, he's he's my take 
And well, I, no, I, I don't say you agree with me, but I, I, no, no, I am the I actually have here. Okay, well, I actually have a question for Kire. Kire, Kire yeah. is that how I pronounce it? Kire? Yeah, right. yeah you can um, say it. Uh, so, when you think of irrelevant yeah. in SK, yep. what champion do you think goes with irrelevant? Uh, Nar, um, Renekton, sometimes uh, Jax. Jax is the big one, though. Yeah, but like, yeah, yeah. so that's what I'm saying, yeah. like, Nar, Renekton, sometimes Jax. Okay. Those are like the, me, the trifecta, yeah. I mean, when I was in ERLs, you could probably find a bunch of my interviews because I've said it year after year after year since I've come to Europe. There were like four top laners in Europe that I thought were super good um, at the ERL level that could play LEC, better than a lot of them LEC players at the time, in my opinion. And that was Oscar Inan. Okay. Um, but, you know, there were ups and downs with Oscar Inan. There was Shigenda. Okay. That was relevant and aggressive. These were the four, right? I always said, I always say that you can find 50 different interviews of me saying it. Where I place Adam is actually above them when he gets what he wants. That's what I think. And actually, I think that Adam's identity in BDS is way more clear and concise, which leads to their success than irrelevant in that team. Not that I think he's a better player, but what I mean is this. When you think of Adam... I think of Darius and I think of the interview of him playing set of him being super cocky in French and just like coming on stage with, with um, Yamato's team. And he says, oh yeah, well, I, uh, I can roam mid and I can still solo kill him and I'm still the best, right? Like it kind of reminds me of the guy that plays weak side, like a psycho runs mid and just does a bunch of stuff and he can be down five levels. I remember he played a game against us in Heretics. He was level one for like five minutes yeah. and we still lost that game yeah. because I mean, mostly because we were bad. But my point is, I think when you look at BDS, you have a really clear identity. You have Psycho top, do what you want, but your weak side. We're not going top, you're weak side, okay? But play what you want and you play alone. Crowny gets the resources and he carries the game. When they play like this, I think that's a really, I think exploitable, but really clear and concise way to play the game. I'm not saying this is the best way to play it. And I think that against international teams, they'll probably struggle. But when you see SK, <laughs> it's like, when you see Exekick and DOS, for me, it's like the quintessential good strong side bot laner from LDLC. That's what I think. And, and Irrelevant's also a strong side top laner. I think he, he strives when he gets a lot of attention. Jack's in general a champion that strives under trading. Like this is what he wants. He wants to make the lane very volatile. So that's kind of what I, what I see. And that's why I think that even though on SK, I see some of these players, like I see Markoon, I see, uh, I see Exekick and DOS. I see irrelevant. I'm like, wow. I mean, these are nice pieces, right? I look at the whole picture of BDS and I'm like, they might not be perfect, but they have their own style. They're really succinct about their style and they can win with their style, right? So that's kind of why I think that. I don't disagree with like the pieces and whatnot, but yeah. They, they do what... know themselves, which is what I respect yeah, about yeah, them. True. They just, the problem is it's loads of the, the pieces just like suck shit. But uh, yeah. at the end of the day, like, when I look at this team, and when I even look at, like, SK <laughs> and all the time prep that they had, like, it's actually depressing. Like, actually, this is a big thing. This is a massive up for BDS that a lot of people need. Uh, being able to play Enchanters out of jungle and keep Labrov onto uh, Engage yeah. is, like, a massive, like, up for them. Yes. Uh, like, Ivern jungle for Crowny is one of the best things that could have ever happened for this team. Like, it's so OP for BDS specifically, because it basically just shoehorns everyone into their speciality. And the fact that Shield was able to pick it up is, like, that's, that's like, a big thing, because now you either need to play it or ban it. Now, their priority on it wasn't 
huge. I think I'll, they still picked Sedge and Maokai over it, or it was banned in second rotations. I can't remember. I think his best, cha- best champ is Sejuani, by the way. She has best champ. Yeah, when he's like brains yeah. together, it's, yeah. like his best champ is still Sejuani, by far. Um, but he can play, Ivan, yeah. Yeah, and I, when I was looking, I actually looked at this, and I looked at, like, Certus Marcoon, and I just seen, like, a massive, like, failure from, like, basically, like, well, SK seemed to have, like, a massive focus all around, like, mid, and it all just, like, fell apart. In particular, in these, like, series, and it just didn't look like they had, like, a depth of, like, play. After, like, game one, they didn't really know where to go. I mean, to be fair, it's also Exekick and DOS is, like, this is the first year in LEC as well. And and that that's the core of that team. Yeah, so. but, like, they were also, like, Exekick, I think it's game three, where, like, Exekick and DOS are, like, massively ahead. No, no yeah. not massively ahead, but they're, like... It's a winnable game, and they, like SK still just can't find like the good fight, like the the conditions for like a comeback. Mm. I don't know. Like I, I, there just, there seemed to actually be like a a gap is like opened up between um you know like SK is actually like where you know what I mean Astralis and that are, and you know BDS is more as in more of the top four, top five remit. I feel um, like on, and this is like a pet peeve I have. I think you've seen this play out like over the last however many BO5s is that I do think there is a concept. Sometimes it's overplayed, of course, but I do think there's a concept of like scrim champs and stage champs. And I think when EU is not looking super, super strong outside of G2, who I'm not even sure like that strong, but they're a good team, right? Uh, I feel that Ivan should be getting way more priority because the way a lot of these games are playing out, and we'll talk about a series later as well where it's just fucking back and forth, throw into throw, and you end up at 40-minute mark. Ivan is just so fucking broken and easy to play. Like, this should just be much higher priority than I think most teams currently have. It's still high priority, right? Like, you're seeing it pick banned a lot, but I feel this should be for a stage pick, like, super, super S-tier. Whereas if people said that it wasn't doing much for them in scrims or whatever because it's a bloodbath at 15 minutes, yeah, sure, that's not going to shock me either, but... I do feel like, especially BDS, as you guys alluded to, like this, even above Sedge, even though I think I agree that Shio, in terms of like his his hands and how he wants to path and so on, Sedge is his best champion. I just feel like so many of these games get drawn out into super hyper late game that Ivan is just fucking broken. Well, I would actually like to give respect, because I completely forgot this actually happened in game two. Uh, BDS's game two draft sick. The triple poke comp. I would not want to play against that. Now I'm pretty sure if my memory serves me, they play it like shit. But if you learn to play that comp, that comp's very very strong. Not many teams in EU would be able to beat that comp that consistently. I mean, I think what makes Ivan better for BDS also is that I think Nuke's a really solid Jace. Like he he plays a good Jace, and Jace Ivan. Tristana and Ivan are really good combos, yeah. and he plays yeah, both yeah. of them. Yeah, they're both extremely toxic. Um, and couple that with the fact that Maokai was in meta, when you have like Maokai versus Ivan, and Maokai being so high prior for a lot of teams. Because this champ, Maokai is a champ that's a stage champ and a scrim champ, right? Yes. Whereas Ivan's more of a stage champ, but mm-hmm. Ivan's like a direct counter to Maokai when you pair it with those two. I think that's what made it so powerful as well. But I could see a world where people like over it as well, Rich, where they pick like Ivan Azir and it's just trash. So and, and, I mean sure, yeah. But the, yeah. the other the other thing is is like, you know, um 
for example, game two, that's another great like point. Ivern isn't picked up by SK Gaming. And I don't think anyone bans it. Let me just check. Yeah, no one bans it. But like Ivern is also like both a facilitator and a counter to poke comps because of the way the shield works. Like it reapplies. So and you can eventually juggle uh, two shields. So you can like actually have like your like frontliners, whatever they are, just juggling shields. And the, a lot of the poke, unless they're ex massively ahead, can't actually like break through. And so uh, BDS don't ban it in game two, but SK Gaming don't even pick it. I, and I, I ironically think it's a B1 champ because you can pair it's so good with so many different pairings. It really doesn't uh, yeah, it that much. Like The only thing that's bad about it is if like you're a team that has like problems setting up for objectives, if the enemy team is getting on top of objectives and you're so used to your jungler entering first, like clear, you cannot do that in either in a lot of the time. You know what like, makes it, me sad you, though? On, on the same topic. Um Excel, if they could play Ivan, I think Abadage's Jace is not bad, and Odo's Jace is famous. Odo's Jace is famous. Imagine like Jace double flex with Ivan Jung. Yeah, I think that could have been so good too. I mean, but like, they yeah, couldn't play. we'll we'll talk about Excel's drafting in a bit. Don't you worry about that because yeah, I, okay. I think that was probably their Achilles heel ultimately. Um, but yeah, let's talk about the other side of this game first, which uh, is obviously going to be Fnatic who took down Excel. Um, so yeah, let's let's just continue on that line of thought, Seal. So obviously that was a five-game series as well, very close. What for you was the biggest reason why that went the way of the Fnatic? Did you expect that ahead of time? Like, what did you think of this series? I mean, this one's a difficult one because both of them are former teammates. Um, I feel like just Fnatic has more money. <laughs> okay. But actually, those... I'll, I'll tell you something that's like fucked up here. Fnatic, we are now going into Fnatic being a top four team, and their entire early game plan is Razork carry the map, and if that doesn't happen, we are fucked. That's that's Fnatic's early game, and it's now been that for quite a while. It's been that I mean, for quite a while. It just comes down to like Trimby, like Trimby Noah. Okay, Noah for. Okay, first of all, I think Noah Trimby as a combo worked really well. Uh, and I also think that Noah is like insane as a player. I actually think he's insane as a player. I think he's like really, I think even in Korea, he was underrated. All right. Um, if you look at his stats and if you look at just how he plays, I think he's really good. The problem he's is- He's very conservative though. Yeah, the problem is like Trimby likes Enchanters. So while Noah and Trimby can play together, I'm pretty sure every Korean AD carry just wants a melee support. And what happens when you have an Enchanter on the map is you need to go bot perma like you kind of need to play around bot and you need to give vision around bot so you need to play like mid jungle into bot mm -hmm. and your, your jungle needs to play like high tempo low resource jungles that can be like there and it's not really 100 percent the meta right now because like jungle the experience changed as well so yeah i agree i think like Rezul has a has a tough job ahead of him i don't think they're playing particularly clean around the map i don't think they're playing i, I think trimby looked better with comp for sure and I also think that um, while they are a good combo and they're good individuals, as a whole, they just had very good pieces. And I think that's what it ended up being but like, like mattering. Did, like in terms of like draft, like what's possible in draft, what's possible in terms of inside the game, how far ahead you get inside lane phase, this, this kind of stuff. 
If I showed you game two Trimby, I'm just getting the game order up on my screen here. If I showed you game two Trimby, you'd be like, this man being paid to throw. And I, if I showed you game five Trimby, you'd be like, holy shit, this guy's the best support. I would like take the nameplate off. It's like prime Hellasat, right? But that's Trimby's like ultimate problem. That like Trimby, like the variance in like Trimby's own game is like nuts. It's so absolutely astronomical. I cannot like divine any reason for it. It's like the gods genuinely do just toss a coin for Trimby. It's, it's now we're now at per game now. See what would be what would be easy, obviously, in a game which goes five games, and obviously game five was relatively close, right? Would be to say. That was the pivotal game. That's where it's won and lost. What a tightly contested. We have to talk about the game one draft for a second, right? Because in my opinion, this is arguably the worst draft in the me, history. Pull, I want to pull it up as well. Of Western League of Legends that I can think of, right? So somehow, I don't, I don't XL, think it's the worst draft ever. XL, a blue side, right? They first pick Zaya. Somehow, I'm not even going to go right through like the full pick order. You can get it on the screen. You can see it yourself. Yeah. On red side, Fnatic end up with Ivan, Rel, Jace. They get Kaiser R4. And mm -hmm. the comp we're left with on the side of XL is Zaya, Sejuani, Talia, Kasante, Nautilus. What the fuck? Ha like, as a coach, Seal, can you can you give me some kind of insight as to how this how this could happen or what the thought process could have been here? Because to can me, you link me this is like okay. your the team on the right has a blue side draft where the other team has completely entered. Like, I don't know how this can even happen. This is. Like I mean, I can't I can't really talk because if you see our uh, game four draft against Fnatic, that was mm -hmm. beyond elite. That was probably like. These things happen great. though. Like you have like certain like you have like certain. Okay, I'm not. I am agreeing in general that this is egregious. Okay, this one yeah. is particularly egregious. But sometimes you do draft yourself into a hole in, in like series. Um, like as, yeah, I, as, okay. okay. So go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, sorry. As, does the team on the left have absolutely like no tools to beat like the team on the yes. right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, Do you think there's no tools it's at all? Un, it is unwinnable into I mean, that. I, I, I mean, I just looked at it. They pick. They they are one sire, right? Yeah. But then somehow they got Jace Kaiser. Yep. So they need like engage to like kill the kill the Jace Kaiser. But then they pick like I mean they have Nautilus Cassandra, but they're they're just so outranged and they, they have like Ivan Rel. Yeah, they but, can never yeah, get there. But, but isn't bot bot the whole like the whole idea of this draft is like isn't it like the uh, bot two v two is winning mid two v two two v one's winning? You, no, but the uh... thing is, they take they take rel at a point. They take rel, I believe, b two. So it could be a flex at this point as well. Like they get rel for free, and they if if Fnatic wanted to, they could not care about that and put it. Like, Actually, no, I, I, don't think I don't but, think Jace, Jace, like it's insanely easy to play Jace like this game. Like it's not, it's not like a free course like Jace game. Like it's okay, okay. I'll tell you. I'll tell you the main issue with this is like if you imagine that at any point in the game, like let, let's take like the two v two out of it because it seems if your game plan is you're gonna accrue such a lead through the two v two bot that that wins you the game, that 
seems no, but like teams, teams do top teams like good teams, right? Do abuse like two v two mids. Of like, course, one of, of course. Way... But yeah. it has to be somewhat balanced in terms of what you're giving up versus what you're getting. If you're getting basically the trade here is a preferable, but not like omega oppressive bot two v two matchup. It's a winning matchup for sure, and you're trading away any ability to win a team fight if the game is remotely even from like 18 minutes onwards. That's the trade. That is the trade. You cannot win a team fight like blue into red. How, like if you imagine how any fight could go, like best case scenario around an objective, for an example, what scenario, which is remotely realistic, can blue beat red after 18 minutes? I just don't- I mean, they, need, know, to, they need, need to snowball. Yeah, they need to snowball. That's the point. I'm not saying I prefer the draft. I just think there is actual, like, it's not like you've drafted a situation where you're losing all lanes and being outscaled. Like, there is, like, a con there is a win condition from XL here. It's just, I would never want left team's draft, but I don't think there's no win condition. Like, it's kind of that's like, my point. Can it the, close, the, the, though? Can it get, if it gets ahead, can it actually close? Like, let's I mean, just the, take the average win time is, what, 31 minutes or something? Can you actually I mean, win a 31-minute game with team on the left, even if you snowball? I don't know. I mean, know. The, the way that I see it is this. It's like... When you, I, uh, it's, it's a difficult topic, but when you go into like absolute perfect League of Legends, yeah, um, and you have winning lanes, you can like snowball through your winning lanes. And then when you talk about absolute imperfect League of Legends, you have a Jace and Ivan. Yeah. That can be, that can be one shot by a Sejuani Nautilus without vision. But I do think that like on paper, it's very hard to win. Because these lanes aren't really gankable either. Like they're not. It's not like Sejuani's going to dive third wave with Zaya having push on bot into a rel Kaiser. It's just never going to happen, right? But, but so also, I do think the game is. Let's fra let's frame this in a in a very sort of binary way here. Your team on the, your coaching team on the left, and you get a five k gold lead at twenty minutes. So that's a very sizable lead. So who's the right? gold lead on? Okay, well, let's just say it's it let's well, yeah, let's say let's say Zaya and Talia are both moderately ahead. Okay. Yes. Okay. So it's twenty minutes, and you've got the gold where you want it. I guess in this yeah. case, it's five k gold lead. Do you actually feel? And that's a sizable lead, right? Do you actually feel confident that you're going to win this game? That you're going to close yes. this game out? I think if you're a Chinese team and you play yeah. like Vision well on mid top, you can play Nash. The problem is with that, like if you mess up Nash even once, because Kaiser has static shiv, you you can't actually end the game. Yes. So like if you play super well and you get mid top vision and then you play around Nash, even with static shiv, you can't clear the wave and then they can like try a dive, right? But this is if you're like insanely good. And um... of, of course it's so easy for the right side to play too. Like they can just press EQ and press W and just... Yeah, like, right, I, I'm not, like, contesting yeah. that left as... I would never want left, right? I would always take right. My point is here is, is like, there is a there is a, a, a known win condition, and the problem is the win condition is so obvious that, like, Fnatic knows, like, you know, I mean, hum all Humanoid has to do is, like, he can even afford to, like, fall behind because the amount of lead that they need to get out of, like, mid and bot lane is so, like, massive that, like, the win condition is off. You know what I mean? Razork only has to, like, protect those two lanes. You know what I mean? Like, they can go down a thousand gold, two thousand gold coming out of lanes, as long as they don't go astronomically, like, plates down, heralds down, multiple, like, turrets, like, drop in at 15. As long as that doesn't happen, yeah, you're right, Fnatic does, but there is, like, a win condition from XL. One thing I would like to point out, and I just thought of it there, holy shit is Gwen, uh, Ivern Toxic. 
because of the way the uh, shield works. Like, I bro, Sorry, whoa, that's horrible. Like, you, you actually go into the shield just to eat, like, the fucking popped. That's horrible. That's terrible. Honestly, like, I think the best way that I can put this, and you can even cut the previous part, is if I'm playing Chase in this game, they will probably lose. But you need someone like me playing Jace. Because then, like, you would miss position. But then you gave Humanoid Jace. And, and then you don't win side lane because you have Gwen into Cassante. And you can't siege because they have Static Shiv. So you have to win team fights. So they have to run into you and just get hooked. And one shot. Maybe. But if I am playing this Jace, and it's not Humanoid, maybe Excel could have won. It's still not a great That's draft. It's, it's pretty. I, I agree. Do agree. It's pretty abominable. I would take right a lot of the time. But I mean, no. This this can happen really easily because like your priors change depending on your team. Because you have your perspective on like what's good and what's strong, right? So like you can just genuinely think that Ivan is not great, and you can just genuinely think that. Uh, I think that's, you know, I personally think that's inexcusable though. Like, or, or, I mean, I agree it can happen, but it can happen because people are incompetent <laughs> like it's it's the idea that rel ivan kaiser are all still up after the initial bans and first picks yeah. and they all go to red side that is inexcusable that is and ridiculous. eventually like uh, eventually uh fanatics start taking like the talia and using it themselves it's sure, just I a mean, money gap right? yeah, but it, it, obviously, obviously any draft pick is in full context right like it's not like there's something wrong with talia it's just this draft no is, no I'm, I'm i'm not saying there's something uh thing but i'm just saying it started informing like game one uh if you watch i'm just going to talk about it again you watch like game one or game two of like gdg uh you would think mm, at home as like doing some interesting things you know he likes to try things See if he can beat you by leaving like your best champion up, you know the leave Kindred up for Zoom special that he likes to do. Uh these things happen. I uh, do think Trimby's. By the way, just off topic. This is a comment from you previously. When I worked with Trimby, I thought he was really consistent, but he really needs things around him to be consistent. If that makes sense. I and thought I when you had, had Trimby, he was consistent. Yeah, but I think he was really inconsistent now for sure. Yeah. And here's one other thing, just like to talk about it, right? Do you actually? I feel like Noah and Trimby like get are getting credit for stuff that isn't actually happening. Like I rarely ever see them execute like brilliantly on like two v two, like winning lanes and stuff like that. Like a lot, I think that I, don't, I have no problem with players being conservative. Um, and in particularly in lane, I find like Trimby and Noah like really uh conservative, and then they're like not so conservative once they get out of the map. Uh, Trimby, for example, isn't. When he's actually on the map, he can be, like, a lot more aggressive. Uh, but what, what have you, like, thought of, like, their laning and, like, how they like, they play out, like, winning, pushing matchups? Do you think I mean, it's, like, good? When I said that they're a good combo, I'm saying they're good because, like, if you put two challenger players in a diamond lobby, it doesn't matter if they fit well together. That's yeah, kind of that. what I mean. Okay. Like, not literally. I'm not saying that all the fucking LEC bot laners are diamond. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that their base skill level, their, like, mechanical ability... No, I their game knowledge is at a level where it doesn't matter, but I do think their stylistic mismatch. Like, Comp is a Giga Chad. He will, like, he's got the hugest Greek cock and he will, like, step in your face, you know? Whereas, like, and, and Trimby likes that because then he can push limits. And Trimby's special, like, Trimby's especially good on Enchanters and Enchanters like to push. 
and yeah. he, they like to poke, right? That's why they fit. But it's still fine because they're still good enough to not die. They're still good enough to get perfect CS. Then then they get into team fights. So it doesn't matter, you know. They'll like do stuff. Um, but what do you think like... about the whole series overall, then, boys? Like, because I feel like there's a massive momentum shift on like game like four, like game four or five. Like game four was just like was just break, like absolutely backbreaking for. Um... I mean, I just think Razzle kept. Uh... Peach. Yeah, Peach. Yeah, yeah. that that's a that's a problem. Like Peach, just eventually, like when Razorts like play, I don't think they played Razort played well the, when they met in summer, and I think that was like basically why they lost. Because in my opinion, they're way too reliant on Razork. Like put it this way, see game five, right? If Razork doesn't hit as many Talia combos as he does, they lose it. Even with Trimby playing like a maniac, like Razork still, I think he hits like four or four or three consecutive Talia combos on like key targets and they're not easy to land i just feel like xl kind of absolutely maxed out what they could do as a team and that's credit to them uh credit to the coaches that came in as well and the players yeah. for all putting it together and making it work but it's one of these things that's always going to come full circle and the rope runs out yeah peach is a bad jungler i'm sorry like in the context in the context of like top eu play he's a bad jungler and you cannot get away with that for this long and not have it eventually punished. I also do think the drafting... To be honest, I was very worried after game one that the drafting was just going to be a horror show like from then on in, but it was sort of fixed. Like I feel like most of these games were fought on fair, fair parity. Like most games were winnable for either side based on draft other than game one. Um, but yeah, I just feel like ultimately... I mean, to go full circle, uh, what Seal said, yeah, Fnatic have a bit more money i.e their players just a little bit better in most positions is what it is but um, i will say though we're still at a point where like humanoid isn't playing like no he's mate he's... Uh, for him Sorry. he's been dog shit complete dog he's not, shit. it's not he's not actually be, the thing is, is uh, nah I'm, he's been not, dog shit mate. No, he's been terrible it's not, for, for, no, his it's not for his stat for, where, for no. where i place him i place him as when he and by the way this is a controversial take in terms of like the last let's say 18 months of play when the players during those 18 months period have been at their absolute apex the mid laners i put humanoid above caps me personally like if i if it's like if i know i'm getting apex humanoid and he has to go against a korean i'm probably going to put humanoid instead of caps why is it always a Korean? Why is it never night? Whatever. I, I, I should have said East. I usually say East these days. An Eastern player. I'm going to pick that one showmaker game aside. Whatever. I'm going to put Humanoid. I think he has the higher... He's a better laner than Caps. I think he is maybe not quite as good as like identifying skirmish opportunities as Caps. But he's just as good a team fighter when he's at his apex. But Caps, his average level is obviously way higher. Because Humanoid has loads of dips. And for me, Humanoid for the very high standards I hold him to, has been bad. I think he's been bad. See, here's the thing. I think Humanoid is currently in a place like Yankos is in, where they were like, there was a period where they were like, at, just recently in like the past, where they were at like the peak of their powers, and they were just like ubiquitous with like European like gold standard, okay? And now their game is degraded a little bit, and there are now like holes in their game where they're no longer like as good. And so like you now see like more like average like mistakes, but you're still holding like a frame of reference of like of who they were. So like 
Tumoroid is still playing out lanes like very well. He's still pressuring like yeah, he, does, well. he gets caught in lane all the time nowadays though. Like I... But that's not always that's not always just like humanoid that's not always just like humanoid. Some late like lane conditions or like lane matchups are in respective of like where junglers have been and that. Like I don't think it's as egregious. Mate, I, I think, think if they lost worse. If they'd lost this series, I think Humanoid would have been absolutely roasted, by the way. Like, there were some egregious, like, I, I want to say Game like, 3. It, I can't I can't. Yeah, it has, like, TP on Jace as, like, the egregious stuff. It's mostly side lane. Like, a lot of people are taking what, like, him doing in, like, lanes, but he's actually getting caught in side lane. Not really, like, mid lane. Like, he's, like, walking into, like, Maokai ults in side lane and dying at tier 1 turrets. Or he's TPing behind the enemy team, but his team's disengaging and he can't cancel TP. He TPs in and just dies, where he could be TPing to minions. Like, there's loads of, like, bone-headed, like, plays. And they, but the problem, the thing that's so frustrating about Humanoid is, like, they're so boneheaded, like as in mm. like they're they're tragically bad, like they're like mind-bogglingly like poor. Sure. Well, for, for me, I, I feel like I kind of agree with both of you guys in a weird way. I actually think that peak human, like the best play that I've seen in humanoid is like. I mean, when I saw him in Mad Lions, I thought he was really good. Yeah. Um, I thought he was like insane in Mad Lions, um, and this is when I was starting to. I was like mind blown how good he was, and uh, and. For me, it's like both. It's I I don't think this Fnatic team stylistically fits like amazing because remember why was Razork brought into this team? Razork was brought in with Humanoid as a combo for like upset. That was the initial bot lane, no? So Razork is is yes. like your quintessential ganking jungler is similar to like Yankos. Yeah. So he, he could be there to skip camps and be bot. Yeah. What, what? Who did Humanoid play with when he was really Aloya. good? Aloya. Yeah. And Aloya yeah, is a quintessential true. like super farming jungle, right? So what yeah. happened is like, what Humanoid used to be really known for, at least in the pro scene, is he would like fake pressure and he would know how to like play lane and play like the jungle's always there and Aloya would basically never be there and they'd farm. But it'd always be a flip because then sometimes he actually would be there. So if he actually flipped it on the way, he'd just kill you. And play, those mind games made it really hard for him to play. I'll play, play against Humanoid. Um, but with Razork, because Razork has to play for bot lane, Razork has to play for these aggressive lane-centric teammates, you don't get that lead in the jungle anymore like you used to with Ilyoya. And it's a complete... three lanes. That's, yeah, that's yeah, Razork's problem. Because, I mean, if you look at Oscar Rinnan... Yeah, he Ilyoya, just pushes. Noah and Trimby, they're all strong side players. They're all players that want yeah. resources. They're all players that want vision. So you need to, you need to be able to facilitate that in a way like... A, a balanced version of what Malrung does. And what I felt in, in summer of 2022 was, I remember going on an interview with, and the best, best damn league and I said, I don't think we can lose to Fnatic. And I still have a video on my YouTube channel where I literally say, I think we'll beat Fnatic and this is why. Basically, I just thought that Razork was using too many turns bot, but now Razork is using too many turns around the map. And the, the games that he looks good is when he's actually balancing it really well, which is a very, very hard task to do. And that's yeah. why I actually, that's why I actually re respect Razork a lot as a player. Um, and so I don't think it's just a case of Humanoid playing worse. I mean, it might be. I think it's also just the piece is not being amazing, right? So imagine in this team you have, you have like either a facilitating mid that can like alleviate some of the stress that Razork puts on himself right so like a rise player or something like that or he had or they they swap places and they bring a farming jungle right one of the two or here's a great idea 
a quintessential weak side top laner that makes Trimby look better, that makes the jungle look better, that makes the mid light look better, like Oduamne. That would look good in this team, wouldn't it? Right? That would make Trimby look good again. A yeah. A bit consistent. But, yeah. This is what I was I was saying it when people were given Noah credit in Summer Reg, and I keep on saying it. Razork is playing uh, like complete jungling. He's like, oh, but, right, but Noah is Noah is really good. Noah I'm not I'm not saying Noah's like really bad. What I'm saying yeah. is, is actual fanatic victories when the fucking Nexus explodes. It requires Razork to like be be very very good in early game, like uh, like almost a level to play the early game for like a level that is not um you wouldn't expect someone to like keep doing it like game to game to game to game because it's completely unreasonable like for example take the best jungler of the past three years right kanavi kanavi cannot play all three lanes he's never done it home always designs a, a system where he only has to play two he's either that's stealing the problem that's the problem yeah. Radok has yeah, and he's either stealing farm from Zoom to be over leveled to make up for the fact that he's like covering for Yagao or he's covering for bot lane and the team fighting centric JDG, or he's like snatching. Uh, you're playing complete scaling with like early pressure on three six nine, where three six nine is playing suicidal to allow uh, Kanavi to enter bits of the map to steal jungle. Like home is always was in the past was always designing right for Kanavi's advantage, but only playing off two lanes of coverage. This is, this is so, I think, what... Um, I mean, I don't think it's it's a matter of what's po what's uh, what they do. I think it's a matter of what's possible. Like, if you actually play League of Legends at any level, you'll know that it's not possible. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or you'll be a bot. Yeah. And yeah. this is the same thing that me and me and, me and uh, Simon, like, so Freddie used to argue about. It's the same topic. Because we used to draft, like, Lulu support with Hecarim, so farming jungle. Oh, and dear. then we'd have we'd have a mage mid that would push like Victor, and then we would have, you know, even if it's a weak side top laner now, you know, the jungle needs to farm, so it's essentially another strong side laner. Yeah. Right. And then you need you need to be bot and mid at the same time. Yeah. And if you're not bot, then they get no, they get they, they either get dove or they get ganked, yep. and then enemy bot have first move. Or you go mid and then enemy uh, your bot can't push and you're just getting pushed on the tower as lulu so it's kind of like you have to balance it if you want to have uh this style then you need to have like enchanter bot you know Javan jungle like some sort of like uh tempo jungle plus mage mid or someone needs to give up something somewhere right uh, and just a little quick aside because uh, i've just kind of thought of this i don't know if we're going to talk about g2 at all but it's just one thing i want to point out it's actually i, I think part of the reason why G2 were really dominant in winter, like almost ridiculously so. But when I go back and watch it, it's way more Yike playing mid to bot, which is a lot easier. And now Yike is doing like top to bot. Like he's no longer like focusing around like caps, like Yike caps like as a 2v2 doesn't really exist. And he's really way more focused around like Broken Blaze advantage and like trying to do like the level three, level four dive. Right. Okay, so Seal after all we've uh, talked about, what is actually your prediction for BDS versus Fnatic? Where do you think this series is actually going to go? I think it'll be a close one. Uh, let me think. I will go... 3-2 to Fnatic. Because... Trimby's my ex-teammate. I actually don't know. I, I I'm I honestly um I honestly am not too sure because I feel like both sides I mean I feel like Fnatic there's something going on behind the scenes 
That's what it looks like to me. That's what it feels like to me. Um, the way they play just is not as coordinated as it should be as well. So, um, yeah, I just feel like they're winning games off of like uh, just having good players in, in a way, like having just really good players. So, um, but maybe they, maybe they like uh, pull it together. They have the pieces and BDS have a really linear play style. So I'm assuming that they have uh, that kind of read and they're able to deal with it correctly. I just feel like Fnatic have been, we've been talking about like maybe Fnatic will pull it together for like, I don't know, it feels like two years at this point, quite honestly. So I think I'm kind of fully off on the Fnatic will make it because they have a good ceiling take. Kira, what do you think about this series? Like ultimately, who do you think is going to win? I think the, like, the variance in these teams is so crazy. Um, protect, a lot of it just comes down to... A, a lot of it, is, for me, is actually going to come down to early game. Because like BDS can yeah. be like a strangely creative like early game team. You know, Shield loves Raptors. Especially loves Raptors with mid-priority so he doesn't die. Like Adam, Shield love Raptors. I think it's pretty hard... Because one of the, one of the ways when I think about the matchup is is what is Wonder going to play a matchup, right? Because it's Wonder that's playing. That's correct, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. So is Wonder going to play a matchup where if isolated by both junglers, he can win independent by himself into, into Adam's champion pool? So let's think of some of the things that like Wonder might play. You know, like Cassante, maybe the old Gragas that he, like shows preference for. Um, Orn. I think what other like things you might you might want to see. Like, do do you think these um you know I mean independent of like Razor being there, like he that he can like last against Adam. History or recent history would say no. Right. Uh, okay. So now, so that you could say that like now Razor's already once again having to play at three lanes. I again don't think that's that realistic. But he has done it uh, so many games now. But it's just like, you know, it didn't happen with XL, and then it did happen with XL, you know what I mean? It's just such a it's such a demanding thing on one player, I think. Where, like, I think what BDS needs to do to win early isn't as, you know what I mean, it's not as hard. Like, there's they're less reliant on one individual, if you get what I mean. Yeah. Another concern, I think... Is like, and it's not so much a concern, but a highlight is the shared champion pool in bot lane, somewhat. Now, it's not like one to one, but both players have a preference towards like Zeri still. Both players are like uh, classically Aphelios players, have played Jinx. Um, so there's some interest there. I think it's super close though. Like, if I was being real, I wouldn't predict. As in, like, I, I couldn't tell you what the series score is, but gun to my head, like, I would edge onto the side of Fnatic like 3-2 just through player quality but that doesn't really mean a lot sometimes um stylistically it's kind of it's about all over the place so, yeah, it just depends if they can figure it out right I think. yeah kind of a Again, I still think they, oh, sorry, on they've, lo they've lost the right to ha have people say that in my opinion like I feel like every single series we talk about Fnatic it's like if they get their shit together then because... theoretically these players should be able to do X and they never do like that XL they... series I think was more like 
I think if you run that XL series back 10 times, XL win more than Fnatic do. I just think that XL put themselves behind the eight ball and then their players had like days off in terms of like performance on the rift. I actually think like way more things have to go right for Fnatic. <laughs> Fnatic to actually, or let's say unusually right for Fnatic, for Fnatic to, uh, to uh, yeah, to, to do well. I think it's now, the narrative for me is actually flipped where it's like so many things have to go unusually well for Fnatic rather than, oh my God, I'm just waiting for all things to click and then it's going to go swimming. I don't believe in that anymore. I just don't. That's no, but what you're talking about, like, is actually like the point that I've maybe not made as clear. Like, for example, okay, like, uh, Fnatic played SK, okay, in the upper bracket, right? And like, Australian got his head caved in by Relevant, right? And then they played them again in the lower bracket, and like, Fnatic like blasted them all off the face of the earth, right? Then the you, the next, you know, next iteration, you know, they play uh, XL in summer playoffs, and they get like pretty toasted off, like. If their mid lane game was a bit cleaner, they might have been able to beat XL, but in their form in that series, they were not favourites. XL were, like, most likely beating them, okay? And then in this next series, okay, if I actually look at the team that executed best, I think Fnatic executed more, like, good games than, like, XL did, okay? So that is, like, the the the, the duality of, like, the situation. But I that think XL like, played some... horrendously. Like, yeah, they did. But that, that, if, if XL, like, for, even though, like, we always talk about XL not having the best player power, whatever. If XL played it like a six out of ten instead of a three, they comfortably win the series. Like even for them, that's. But the against thing, like... like Fnatic, the first time Peach was human, and then Peach like wasn't human the next time. It's like how often do you need Peach to be human? Like be a good sure. player. Like, but the problem was ass. like the problem was that Peach wasn't human, but Limit also wasn't human, and Abba yeah, also wasn't human, <laughs> and Otto didn't have his best series. Like, legit, Patrick was the only player, like, fully pulling his weight that series. It was ridiculous. And but, it so, was still a close five-game series. Like, they should have probably won game five, really. Like, to, I'm just going to say, Fnatic are shit. Like, Fnatic are actually a terrible yeah. team. It's not that they can't be good. I think they still could be good. I just don't like anymore this whole I'm going to pick a series on that basis because to me, there's no real precedence for it at all. I think they're just a fucking bad team. And I don't think BDS is like a great team, but I'm honestly leaning BDS 3-0. I'm going to say BDS 3-1 because I think that Fnatic will have... I think it's like fair enough to use this logic to give them like one out of five games or whatever it is right but i'm not gonna give them a whole fucking series for it i think bds so are just better at league like this is way better and i know people love to say like oh it was way more the other teams being bad and so on yeah it's true but Fnatic has never come fucking close to bds spring in terms of like clean games and understanding a macro even though it was a fairly linear they were good in summer huh they were good in summer. Yeah, they were good. In some of the regular season, they had some good games, but I feel like uh, maybe this And then it ran fair. out. Yeah, maybe okay, this isn't fair, wait. but like I, the BO1s, I've just put way less stuff. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm just, I'm just. BDS put together like a bunch of really good series. They actually played really clean macro. Their macro was actually cleaner than G2s for like all of spring, basically. But it was just a singular play style and they got found out. But... SB, just one thing, sorry, uh, Seal. Is B the only team BDS beaten in a BO5, Vitality? No, no, because they beat, um, they've just beat SK. So, like, they, but, but before this, in the playoffs, was the only Vitality they beat? No, I don't think so. That can't be right. 
Or am I just losing oh, like my you have mind? To play two series to get to finals, and then three if you lose one of those series and drop down. No. Uh, because in spring, what they call BDS beats Vet, and then they lose to Mad, and then in winter playoffs they didn't make it, and then in summer playoffs they didn't make it. So I think they've only won before this. They'd only beaten Vitality in a Bo5. They play they play Vitality in the best of three just before that. Yeah, no, I mean like I'm sorry, I, yeah, I should have yeah, said but... not series, Bo5. Yeah, sure, no, but I was like, isn't that weird that they play them twice? I don't know, I don't know how. Well, oh, the only it. teams that they've actually beaten in a Bo5 series is SK and Vet. Yeah, that's, that is let, let, let me raise let me raise that as my thingy for the strength of Fnatic. Now I'm not saying Fnatic's is much better because it isn't, right? I'm not saying Fnatic's record is much better, but that that's how low this series is. I said this to you and Soaz last year with the upset team. Fnatic are good at nothing. Yeah. That is their problem. They are actually good at nothing, almost nothing. Yeah, as a team. I think um, something that I wanted to add there was, as a coach, like, here's my for real take, okay? I think the most important thing is actually the off-season and scouting. So, like, we talked about Fnatic, right? Being better in summer or whatever. Guys, they just changed two players. Like, like, you're also limited by your players that you can do as coaching stuff. I'm not, like, throwing shade or throwing, like, hands or anything. I heard he was a great coach or whatnot, right? I'm just saying that they changed two of their players. They got Noah Trimby. Um, they immediately got way more stable on the bot side of the map. They got a lot more direction through Trimby. Um, immediately they got better. So it's like, for me, it's like really clear that both sides have good rosters in, in a way, in, in their own way. BDS, probably have more direction because Crowney is very clear with his communication and he's very concise on how he wants to play. Um, but Fnatic do have the upper edge when it comes to like individual players and you can't, you can't just like ignore that, you know, they're going to get, they're going to get leads or they're going to get something from their players. But they, went from, no, they went from like ninth to top two. Like it doesn't, is it magical? You know, like both these teams also have weird drafting options. Like I'm, I still hold yeah. that the Callista pick in Game Five is terrible. Like I still hold that like some of the way, like some of the like the pick ordering around like a uh, top and like top and mid for Fnatic is like is terrible. Like the they have some sometimes got like some of the strangest like drafts ever, and then sometimes like they're really good. Just to highlight, just so I don't tell everybody. I understand Fnatic has only beaten Heretics, which isn't hard. That seemed to be that hard either. Sorry, Seal. Yeah. But right, uh, the problem is, is it's like that's how low I think the series is. That like how you and I don't usually say this. Usually, I'm quite hardcore on like, my, my my predictions going in. Or, but like this is genuinely like how people show up on the day. Like a lot of it is. Like there are versions of both these teams that are atrocious. There are versions of BDS where Adam is Malphite level five mid TPing to the wrong bit of the map. It happened against Mad Lions. Like there are very bad versions of both these teams, and there are pretty good versions of both these teams. Hopefully, both pretty good versions play each other. I think if both pretty good versions win, Fnatic wins because the level that Razork has proven he can play to is like unprecedented. But it that, doesn't happen that regularly. I understand Rich's view as well, though, because I do think that BDS have a really clear identity. They do. And, we, and I did talk about that 
you know, like Humanoid used to play with El Yoya. That's kind of how they got lead through jungle. Then they obviously had laners that were willing to play other things. But they have a complete, like they have a non-synergistic kind of style, right? Fnatic in a way. If you look at the way they play versus the, like how the top teams play. So it's like if Fnatic don't fix that or they don't have a really good solution to how BDS play, it could just be a sweep as well. Yeah, I just feel that uh, BDS actually are more like people talk about like Adam being a flipper or whatever, right? Which is somewhat true, but it's just because we associate that term more with something like top lane and someone who plays like these kind of uh, interesting carry picks, right? The reality is Razork, in a way, is actually more of a flipper than Adam. I think it's more replicable BDS's play style. And let's say Adam having three, if you ask me ahead of time, who's going to have? three good games out of five yeah Adam or Razork. i say adam yeah. i think it's a less likely that Razork has jungle kingdom three out of five games than adam stomps top lane against wonder who hasn't played him forever three out of five games right so yeah that that would be like the best well, way to summarize it as well as I, I actually so don't you think it's gonna be sorry don't you think it's gonna be even better with wonder that's what i think because i think wonder has a really pre like he's a really good weak sider yeah, but so we've seen just... it. We've seen Fnatic with Wonder. It was terrible. Yeah, but <laughs> it yeah, was really yeah. bad. I don't say what yeah. I don't say Wonder was good at the end. Yeah, because they, they picked they had Reckless. Sure. And yeah, he I mean, okay, this is the thing, because this became like the whole discussion around Wonder, if, if people forget. Um that basically Wonder was dying like all the time in top and then the discussion was around how much of it is his fault slash misplaying slash not reading the waves and where his jungler is and how much is him being completely abandoned by his team right and it was definitely a bit of both like for sure it was a bit of both okay so, but... so what i'm trying to say what i'm trying to say is this though like i don't think i got my point across when wonder played for fanatic in 2022 with a strong side bot lane same style razzle humanoid with upset hilly sang they were still top three in the league I thought they were pretty bad in summer, but they're still top three in the league because they had a clear identity and Wonder's willing to play that. When you had Reckless Wonder, you just have a guy that wants to play weak side, Reckless, and a guy that wants to play weak side, top side, Wonder. So it didn't work. So then they chose Reckless over Wonder, sure, because they gave Wonder a shot last year. And they brought in a rookie, the kid, that plays super aggressively. This is what he's known for, Oscar Rinan. He has really really aggressive picks like the other four top laners that i talked about yesterday oh actually i forgot about ragnar i think he's also good but so like i'm just saying stylistically if you look at this team it they they, they have a lot more clear of a direction no yeah like it's worst not, case it's not three. beyond it's not beyond the realms of possibility i would say from last some 2022 summer onwards wonder has been a very bad league of legends player in my opinion like again in the elite level obviously he's good at league um but yeah, so let's. I think we've spent enough time on that. Uh, yeah, on that topic. So let's. Can I move actually just on. ask you one thing, Rich? One yeah. second, I just wanted to. Yeah. How when Adam see like how often do you think when Adam actually gets like top lane advantages, does it actually result in a BDS like one? Honestly, like, when, me, also... no joke. It seems like they win as many games when he ints as when he carries. Like that is genuinely yeah. what it feels like. There are so many games where Adam, and again, this is this whole thing of like. Is Adam actually doing like low key smart things sometimes when he's super far behind or not? I remember that Scion game where he got killed over and over and over and over again and they just won the game anyway and he just keeps playing in like the same way. Like I feel that BDS, it's so weird because they, they're this like 
Adam himself is like a Jekyll and Hyde player, right? But at the same time, is he really? Does, it, does he actually change his play style at all Like when he gets behind? I feel like he doesn't. I feel like BDS can win with Adam Inting. But I also feel, of course, that he creates even more chaos when he's ahead. Like, okay, I was just curious. But um, yeah, no, one thing I wanted to talk about, though, uh, before we fully move on to talking about Fnatic, is Wonder's obviously returning. And maybe Seal has a little bit of insight on this. Maybe he doesn't. Who knows? But what I do not understand is why a Fnatic even able to play Wonder. So for people who don't know, Wonder was not actually a Fnatic player, at least according to Riot's own official data. He is not in the Riot uh, player database for Fnatic. If he is now, it is because he has been added in the last couple of days. He was not there at the time of... Um, them announcing him right now the reason why he is allowed to play is because he is a quote-unquote emergency sub but what i don't understand is fanatic have an academy team called fanatic tq who are currently doing fucking nothing because they're not an eu masters so they have a top lane player who is just doing absolutely nothing uh, called Doxy in their academy team. They have no upcoming games or anything. Why is Fnatic allowed to sign an additional top laner outside of roster lock? Why uh, Why is Doxy not so, playing? I mean, my understanding is, and I just checked for you, um, he was contracted until September 26th. So what happens with esports contracts for people that don't know? If you're so not allowed... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. It says it was add, that was added on the 29th of August, though. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, that's, if it's changed, yeah, but... it's changed in the last couple of days because he wasn't on the database. So, sorry, I'm sorry for interrupting you, too, but I was just wondering oh, if that matters. That's a good point. That's a good point. And also, um, that date is illegal, by the way. You are not allowed to sign a contract that ends in September anything. It has to be the third Monday of November. Like, if, assuming... it's a normal, if it's a normal contract, obviously it's an emergency sub, then yeah. I, I guess there's, like, stipulate, uh, added stipulations. But why is this allowed to happen? Why so, do they have another top laner? So this is, this is what I was going to say. Basically, um, they removed the need for LEC teams to have academy teams, if I'm correct. So um, what people need to realize about esports contracts is this. When you're, when you're not a coach, because coach salaries are really capped. I mean, you know, you're looking at 250 for the absolute best, right? You're not looking at above 250, 250K. Um, but when you're looking at a bigger, like, uh, player contract, they have a clause in which you're essentially contracted until November or whatever, so you have that safety, but you make a significantly less amount of money if you're on the bench. This is kind of how it works. So um, if you do go on this kind of the secondary kind of payment option um this fulfills the contract and the legal laws re legal kind of um, requirements of germany which is where lec is based uh but they don't have to register to the gcd right and this has a lot to do with like visa and contract length and whatnot right so basically if you have like a million dollar contract if you're on the bench you might only be making 350k for doing nothing which is great right um, which technically means from a company standpoint, Wanda would still be an employee of Fnatic. And because Fnatic TQ, in a way, is a separate entity, because they're based in the LVP, I would assume that Fnatic TQ, do, the, all the players in Fnatic TQ aren't automatically registered as substitutes or emergency substitutes or need to be. So it's up to Fnatic to choose. So it's probably a loophole. Um, and 
I'm, I mean, I'm just stipulating. I'm not 100% sure because I'm not a, like a legal expert, but I do know about like esport player contracts and this is generally how things go. So I would assume that Wonder's, Wonder's still contracted until November this year. Right? No, from I don't his, think so. I no. think, I mean, as a. No, he's still getting paid. He was getting paid. A, he was a getting player paid. agent who only deals in player contracts. My understanding is that you have to be on the database, but not only that, for, it would be in Fnatic's interest for Wonder to be on the database because how the poaching rules work is anyone who is not on the database can be freely a- approached with zero repercussions and Wonder is essentially allowed to be treated as a free agent. So if Wonder's not on the database, any team can speak to him now, whether he's technically a Fnatic employee or not. So it, there's there's no reason I can think of why Wonder would not be on the database from Fnatic's perspective if he's still well, contracted there. And also my, the other thing is he can't, I mean, I doubt that he could be because he's got a new, uh, like he's on the database again and it ends in September, which would mean yeah. that they've given him another document which supersedes one that ends in November. Yeah. That has it. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. Like that's what I was about to say to you. See, why is it not showing up as that? That it's a contract that he signed originally with Fnatic that ends in November. It's showing up as a new contract that's ending in September twenty. Yeah. And Wonder would Max. have all the leverage as well, right? Because if you have a drop clause in your contract which halves your money or whatever it is, then obviously it, the the reverse clause is if I return to the first team, I'm paid at full comp. So he's not gonna sign a new contract and then unless they were so desperate like here have like double the money like i think he basically i i think he's a free agent i think the wording suggests he's a free agent because it's one that is signed as an emergency sub and i think i'm just really curious as to why this is even allowed because fanatic have fanatic tq is still a subsidiary of semper or samper which is the parent company that owns fanatic so the, he is an employee of Fnatic, in essence. Um, I mean, my, they're, making, my, they're making up as... Sorry, so on you go. Sorry, my, my understanding is that Wanda is not a free agent. This is my understanding from, like, what I heard in the scene. Um, and he is still under salary, under Fnatic. Um, if, if there's a rule that he is able to be freely approached, there's a chance that he didn't have a buyer. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. But there's actually a chance that he didn't have a buyer and no teams wanted him, right? Um, but he'd be in the database no matter what. Like, there's, would, there's oh, no, does he have to be? Okay, yeah, then, one, then he has to be, and two, there would be it would still be in Fnatic's interest that he'd be in the database no matter what. But yeah, you definitely would have to be. Okay, then there's probably it's probably a case of like a shifty shifty contract or something like that. I mean, my understanding yeah, is it's just that weird, right? But here's just, the problem. Uh, here's the problem, though, Seal. I think you're coming from the approach. Where you're you're trying to like logically piece it together. I think it's made up as yeah, exactly. it goes along. I yeah. think, I I think, think you're th- thinking too logically no. and be like, okay, I reckon this. And I'm following your train of thought. I'm just saying that I think, as Kira say, I think this is just a load of shit and yeah. it's just like broken. It's another Danny thing, right? Like, yeah, it but, could be. It could be. I mean, I'm, I just know that like I'm pretty sure, like ninety five percent sure, he's still being paid. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it could be. He that, could, that, that, street, that, that, could have put him on a streamer yeah. deal or something in the meantime, yeah. and that takes him off the database. Yeah, that's that's all I know about it. That's sure. all I know about it. But, and may, like, there's a chance that he shifts to the streamer kind of contract or whatever, and then they probably offered him the one month contract based on right. I mean, this is my logic train, but I'm pretty sure he's on he's on pay. Sure. Um, I think they've just this is just a classic Ryan's Riot made it up, or like you know, Fnatic's one of the legacy orgs, and so to like give Fnatic like a dig out 
Like, they've just allowed them to go and explore, like, the best option that's, like, sensible. Because I don't think... Say this was, like, just some random other player fucking... I don't know. I can't think of one off the top of my head, right? I think more people would have a uproar. But, like, you know, Wonder. Wonder used to play for Fnatic. That makes sense. It doesn't look as dodgy. Um, because, you know what I mean, uh, look how close it is, but this could just be an entire like, fabrication and making up of the rules. It, it really, to me, uh, the face of it is, how much of a ruckus is the other teams actually going to um, pause around this? Yeah. Because it could be them one day, quite easily. Um, and so, basically, and who's going to really rock the boat over two teams that have already technically qualified from Worlds? Yeah, are you guys are you guys sure about the Wonder contract? By the way, because I'm checking the Fnatic Reddit. I'm not sure. About, I'm not sure about they, anything. They, they, they were but... saying that they were saying that Wonder was in the GCD until 2024, which would make a lot of sense. And the 20 and the September 26th clause could just be because of what Fnatic. An emergency rule saying that you can only yeah. play them up to this point. You can't abuse yeah. it any further. Okay. Yeah, or it could be something like that. So okay. I mean, I mean, I, I could be wrong. I just all I know is the information that I hear in the scene from friends and stuff, right? And I'm your line sounds on... good. Your line sounds sensible, yeah. Seal. Your yeah. line sounds sensible. I'm just gonna throw this out because actually I don't know why I'm holding on to this information. Anything cause it, uh, anyway, because it doesn't change anything. But I know for a fact that Fnatic were did actually fly Doxy into Berlin with the intention okay. of actually playing him for the XL series. <laughs> so I don't I don't have a fucking clue what's going on. Like this is just. Yeah, bizarre to me, but um, whatever. Okay. Yeah, who knows? But wait, so what? The, his he he was in the database until twenty twenty four, and then which makes sense. Yeah, now it's September this year. That is yeah, because what she oh. was saying is is like to like you sign like you're putting them on like an emergency sub like subcontract, so you can't just like pull Wonder in and like run them for like longer than the emergency sub rule would allow. I think. Oh, it, could, it could just be a case of they they. They only want to pay the full amount until X amount, and maybe they made a deal where, hey, we'll pay you to full here, and you can be a free agent because maybe Wonder wants to start playing again. Or, you know, there's a lot of there's yeah, a lot of things sure. that can happen. Sure. Yeah. Like. Yeah. I think my I just think it, it looked really weird to me. I mean, I'm just that. saying Wonder has yeah. so much leverage, right? Because like. Oh yeah. Humanoid's like contract, contract alone is more than the operating budget of Team Heretics. So, I mean, like, from my understanding. So, like, if they spend that much money per year on these players, and I wouldn't assume Noah Trimby... I mean, I would assume Noah's is, is not that big, but, like, I would assume Trimby's contract isn't small either. Um, and then, obviously, Razork, um, and and they have a bunch of other people on the, be on, the, on the bench. I would assume that it's not, like, cheap to run this team. So, it's like, okay, I have to pay another 100k for this guy for a month or whatever. I'll just do it. Could just be a case of that, right? Again, not well, the guess. I think Trimby is probably just on his road contract, that, but and then they've just like you think so? Eyes and I'm only guessing because his contract expires in November, so it's kind of weird to do a trade where the player um, comes to a new team, especially a really good player, for like a split. So essentially, he's on a one split deal, which is a which is unusual. So I would imagine that the cleanest and quickest way they did it was literally just like. We a are transfer. straight up trading players. But again, that is purely speculative. But yeah, I believe that uh, Razork and Humanoid are both paycheck stealing at this point, um, is my understanding as well. Um, I didn't of... say that, but... No, no, sure. in, ter in terms of how much they're on, those guys are 
I mean, humanoids is massive. I know that for yeah. sure. Humanoids is seven feet. Yeah, but like the the problem is, is like humanoid was paid for the player. You're know, like always paid for the player like you you were. You were. Yeah, exactly. yeah, not who the player, and then you then got to justify it for the player like you're not going to be, and like variety of different periods of of humanoid's career, he has made good and not made good on said executives. Yeah, right. Let's talk very briefly, to be honest, about the Mad G2 series, because I don't think there's too much interesting to say on this one. Um, I think but, it is. But yeah, I'll start with you, Kira. I mean, what is what what are the angles here, if any, for Mad? Like, why are you remotely interested in the series? I'm not going to lie. I'll, I'll watch it because I feel I need to, but I could not be less interested in this series. Because like this is like a, like a definitive like grudge match for like G2. Like they basically like, will have to prove that like the way they lost last time like was a fluke or like like a fluky like nature because like didn't they already prove that at msi though like that was just a goomba no nah, nah, not really because I have every single person i think that right okay but everyone else is just in like hardcore like copium and obviously this matters way more than like msi lower bracket like there's stakes here you know this is for like the best team in europe sitting in final first seed guaranteed second um no, I think there is like, and the fact is, is like, I think it is like a decent like matchup. Like, if you're Mad Lions, what more can you ask for? Of like, somehow Karze is very consistent, has been for a long time. The same way as we like talk about off oh, a fanatic get it together. It's like when can you start talking about like Karze being inconsistent when he's now ran had a run of form of consistency that has ran for like a very long time, like. He really has been like very good now for a long time. Nesky's playing some of the best like individual league they've played in ages, and a lawyer looks to have like ironed out a lot of his like issues that he had in like summer. The team still has like a glaring problem, which is like you know Chase, and that is like a stylistic hell hellish thing against somebody like BB. But it's not even like it's completely like unwin like, completely unwinnable. And there's like a weird thing, I don't know what it is, but when like Hellasang plays against like it's not that he's like clutch, it's kinda of hard to explain, but like basically like Hellasang is quite good at executing like high risk strategies under like big pressure. Like see that pipe game where he, against was it BD was it against BDS or was it G two? He landed like three consecutive like pike hooks to basically just win the game and like end ball within like three minutes like if he's like he fucks that up you know what i mean the entire game's like destroyed so like hilly will take like big risks and how how well are g2 uh, like you know resisting that because i don't think g2 play well without bot lead still and i think like i think there is i think g2 is there to be beat i don't think it's most likely but i think they're like there for like mad lines to like actually try because Realistically, there's and this is another thing I was quite want to talk about. People talk about people like choking or like crumbling under pressure. There is different types of like choking or pressure. There's like choking when you're not the favourite in like a final and all like the pressure and the lights are on you and you like you can't live up to like the moment. But there's another type of choking which is the choking of expectations. As in like you're such a heavy favourite, right? You're a massive favourite and you start losing and you keep losing and you can't get into the series and the like momentum snowballs against you. And that's the type of choking the G2 does. 
And G2 do it a lot more than people say they don't. They do it, they've done it against BDS. They couldn't keep the game clean against BDS. They couldn't keep the series clean against XL. They could rarely keep the series clean that they played against like Fnatic. And I don't think the exception will be here will be like mad. Like the mad MSI was like the one time they like scorched someone off the face of the planet and just like annihilated them. Like obviously the XL final as well. But I don't think it's happening as regularly as people like like to make out. I do I think, think it'll be closer. To choke is hubris. So I think there have been like so many games this split where they've just been like taking the piss out of people, like just completely. But that's regular season. That's what that's what Kiri's saying, no. No, like, I was, but like, it's not so much choke. It, it isn't like like choking or like they're playing what worse. It's like the apprehension that, that they have due to like expectations. Like another good example is like the Rogue series, the Toy series that they lost, right? Where like Hansama's mid and like Malrang's like Lee Sin kicking them like down the lane like over and over again. And it's just like that usually doesn't happen. You know what I mean? But they lost. They ended up losing that series and having to play mad for it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think I feel like in the uh, XL upper bracket final before the grand final, for example, like you could tell from their demeanor and drafting and so on. I, in my opinion, they were not taking that series seriously, uh, and they were playing catch up the whole time after game one, where they're like, "Holy crap, what what are we in for here?" But I don't know. I think like Hans historically has had a bunch of series in the past where he's heavily chokes. Like people will deny it, but he did heavily choke series. I think that's kind of past him now i haven't really seen that so much recently and i do think most of the players on g2 are fairly strong ish mentally like i i don't i know what you're saying and it's definitely true but i i attribute it to something else i don't think it's to do with like um any kind of mental weakness i think it's hubris and i think it's uh yeah i think i think it's much more so that than than anything else i personally think this will be a very uh easy series win for g2 i think they might lose a game for the reasons just stated uh, but i think 3-1 at best but most likely if g2 win game one i think it'll be 3-0 i think there's a decent chance mad might win game one but i think they'll lose 3-1 if that's the case anyway what do you think seal i think uh i think it's definitely g2 favored uh mm -hmm. I have heard that narrative and I've seen it too. I did think that, for example, in the 2021 finals, Rogue vs. Mad, Hans played noticeably worse. In, in key moments, he played noticeably worse. But from my experience as a coach, and it makes sense, um, once you win your first title, like once you actually figure out that you can actually win, even though, to be honest, like these split wins are nothing compared to what it used to be in terms of value. I would say like not even 50%. Um, it's the psychological barrier that's honestly like, I mean, it's it's a flip, right? This, if you have really good players. This felt so unimportant. Like, I mean, look how I shit, look how shit LG yeah. internationally. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that because of me. Like if you look at, if you look at like um, my history specifically, it's not like I was like the head coach or anything like that. I was just, I was just a piece in that puzzle, right? Um, and I happened to like bring some value. I'm just saying like, um, even though it is less value, it is like a big psychological barrier broken if you know that you can pull it through from start to finish. And then obviously you don't even, even need to start to talk about Caps and, uh, Caps and Mickey, right? I mean, they're, they're, they are clutch players. They yeah. perform well under pressure and obviously BB as well. So 
I mean, the only I think Phoebe has been the clutchest, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. Like when put when put under actual like pressure of expectations, even at like MSI when he was playing like the Cassiopeia, like I actually think it's BB that like is the one that doesn't crumble. Yeah, BB's international ceiling can maybe be questioned, but his ability to hit his ceiling regularly is not. He's consistent, be yeah. yeah. I mean, the main main point I'm trying to get at is I th- I think that from a player perspective, um, I would favour. I would favor the, the G2 side for sure, um, just from lane, from the get-go. The trap is always, do they have the right draft? Um, that's always going to be like the big question mark, right? I think if you looked at 22 Spring, um, the way that BB drafted his Orn into like Odo Jace, right? And then they had a really, really solid identity in, in playing through Platinum and playing through mid. Um, they were clean. I think also winter this year when G2 were playing, they had a really clear identity. But if they get a little bit lost in draft, you never know with competition. Like from my experience, you know, you could be the absolute best team, just have a shit day and one of the people can get a flu and they can lose, right? So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm favored to G2 still. I think uh, I think you're probably going to look at like a 3-1. Um, I do think that Matt have clear direction in like the way they want to play, how they play in terms of their identity. But for example, I think uh, Chasey, his best champion is like Nah. I don't like. I think by far it's Nah, and I don't think it's like particularly great right now. I think his other champs are just meh, um, from what I've seen, and his laning is just meh. And it's not like their mid game and, and late game is super amazing. It's just that they have a really clear direction, and that's enough to get decent results this year, because yeah, no be, team is. Just yeah. Off in I mean, in late game fights. Yeah, I mean he's a very good team fighter, and obviously I think he's actually good in lane as well in in his own. Yeah, role, yeah. But, Main point is like in um, like if you look at the mad mad like mid to late game, it's not like it's anything special. They just have a style that they play. They like to play through mid a lot. Um, they like to play uh, just just play t- standard two lanes and just catch into into two lanes into create numbers um, and fast play. Um, so then it's going to come down to like early game leads, and I would always put put that favor to to G two. And I, I think Caps is still really really good. Um, and Niski's weakness, if you had to point one, would be his lane, right, as well. So there, there are just, like, too many holes that I think um, can occur from, from a theory perspective for me to give uh, Mad Lions uh, the advantage here. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, from what, in my opinion, probably won't be a particularly interesting series to what was, in my opinion, probably the most entertaining series in the history of Western League of Legends, which might sound absolutely wild, especially because I'm talking about an EU Masters series, but I do have to touch on this. I know you uh, didn't... Uh, I didn't catch it. ...see it, seal, but uh, we do just have to touch on this quickly because this was fucking insane. Uh, now, when I say most entertaining series, I'm not saying it was the highest, highest quality. Definitely not. I'm also not saying... That, you know the stakes were insane so if someone's like oh how could you say that when there was this lec final and blah blah I, I don't care mate i'm talking about pure entertainment and how close almost every game was this series was mental so just to put a little bit of framing on this for people who only watch lec don't watch any bring from the erls basically team go which is a french lfl team they did not win lfl but on paper player for player i would actually say they are the best drl team for sure they just have really weird synergistic issues that were very evident in this series played against sk prime from prime league 
who uh, I think actually did win Prime League. Uh, I didn't watch Prime League this season, but I do believe they were the winners from Prime League. They are, for my money, at least the best Prime League team, even if they didn't. I think they look stronger than Unicorns. They did win it. Um, okay, cool. Uh, so, yeah, they played against each other. It went all five games. And as I said, I'm probably misremembering. Like It felt like every single game was just bonkers, 45 minutes, throw into, throw into, throw into, fucking base race into end or whatever. Uh, this was mental. And the craziest thing about this series is, as I said, on Team Go, you have a lot of players, by the way, who I think will be in consideration as individuals for LEC teams. In particular, Linkas's name gets uh, comes up a lot. Um, Ragnar, the top laner's name, came up a lot. He was linked with a lot of teams uh, sort of previous offseason. Camilius, his name gets thrown around. You also have Jezu, who uh, obviously was in lec right and takui who played in lcs so this is like a stacked 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 roster in terms of individual talent and on sk prime obviously you have like um, names people recognize like febavan and so on like the, the this was a genax lurox yeah like... uh this was a uh but and also my personal favorite part of the whole cast was listening to veteran casting a team fight where he's trying to say Takui and Kadui at the same time so yeah good worth going to going to back to watch just for that if anything uh but yeah this was a fucking banger every team or I felt like every player especially on go had like insanely high ceiling moments and ridiculously low floor moments I mean what did you think of this series Kira and by the way well, also, actually no okay from Sorry. this angle as well I wanted to like because especially like Linkas right for example do you actually feel that based on this series that this guy will like should be in consideration for LEC with the junglers that we have? So I thought Linkas was better last year when than he was this year. I agree, so that, by what, the way. I actually right. agree with that. I agree with right, that. Right, okay, but so independent of like my friend put me onto Linkas, I was impressed. I don't know what's going on at Go, like whatever. I I, I can't even be bothered like beginning to diagnose it. By the way, very quickly before you go off, very quickly, this this is really weird, right? Because again, maybe some of you watching don't know who most of these players are, whatever. Trust me, like roll for roll, these guys are like basically almost all of them top three. Yeah, I'd say Jezu. Yeah, I think I'd say Jezu was probably their best player in that series as well. No, no, here's the thing I was going to say. What I, I actually think like Ragnar was doing oh, no, like yeah. sorry ragnar yeah yeah, yeah, yeah rag sure. i think ragnar is doing was doing heroics and i genuinely think ragnar is like the uh, an ascendant top laner basically that he he has already like signed off his like right of passage that if he is not on the lec next year as one of those like failures of like gming now i don't know his contract i don't know but i'm just saying like he he should be in the lec like yeah. how many hero plays he had to do his team fighting is like excellent. I remember Kelsey Moser said this like great point when, and it was a great thing that I took away from me when I watched like LDL and LCK amateurs. It is so much easier to teach someone systems for laning than being able to teach someone to team fight. You, it's almost impossible to be able to teach someone good team fighting. Yeah. And Ragnar is good at team fighting, and he's still pretty good at laning, though it's sometimes like hard to tell. Um. Because just where, like, the fucking camera is. I don't get POVs of, um, like, at LFL levels. I have no, fuck, I have no fucking idea what they're doing sometimes. Uh, Ragnar was on some hero shit. The team at a macro and decision-making level is terrible. And they are genuinely have some of the poorest understanding of numbers advantage and TP usage. And basically, like, 
Prime don't look like they know what they're doing either, but they would just randomly group up as five and do something, and like Go would get caught as three or caught as two. And so even though what the SK Prime was doing wasn't like good, like they're like over committing to certain areas of the map, just because like Go are all over the place, it was you know so much fun to watch. Well, is that not only like Go's macro is horrible, but also their team fighting is fucking awful. Yeah, like and, for each other. Like yeah, so yeah. bad. Like they would get like these crazy like uh Nico or Rel engages or whatever, and you're like, oh my god, and their whole team's knocked up, and then nothing happens because Jesse's yeah. in Africa. Linkas is playing like Maokai or something, so he has no no ability to actually follow up with damage, and there's just no coordinate coordination or like target focusing at all and this is so weird and like people listening again they'll be thinking wait a minute you're saying that they're bad at macro and they can't team fight how the fuck do they win the answer is shit like jezu getting like a 1v4 when he's protecting his base like inexplicably yes all of these players just have random super high skill ceiling moments like ragnar again like would pop off individually in fights and they just get these super weird edges from it, it was like watching the best players in europe playing solo queue it was just crazy. It was just throw in to throw back and forth. But the weirdest thing about Go, because as I said, to me, this is one of the best like player for player um, ERL teams ever assembled, at least post Challenger series. Because obviously in Challenger series, things were so condensed. You would have like five teams of like LEC level players, basically. Is that they also have Duke as coach, who to me is actually like from all observable data obviously i i'm not sat in with teams like every fucking bod review or whatever but to me he is also one of the people i've been more impressed with when i've talked about the game with and also have had very good references from players about this guy so you have a very high level coach in theory who's at coaching at an erl level who has like an all-star level roster and it is the worst, most mal-coordinated team I have ever seen with such talent. And I could not tell you why. Scrim team. There you go. I've, I've declared that they're a scrim team. Yeah, it's 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 just so... It's Apparently they're shit in scrims as well. Oh, uh, God. Yeah, like, I don't know. Yeah, but anyway, just, just a high side, because just before I wanted to forget, I would like to highlight one of my favourite like players from this, and it's actually so simple. It's Lurux in game five and he does this like genius fucking thing on rel where he skips a camp so he he skips a camp and goes and steals uh krugs from linkath now linkath wants to stay be like farming krugs covering botlane but because he steals his krugs linkath can't afford to stay behind or he'll like fall behind um in terms of level and farm but if he starts to go to the other side of the map, he doesn't know if, like, uh, Lurox is sitting in the bush waiting to gank his lane, or he's, like, further back in his jungle farming the camp that he missed. And it basically, that one, like, individual, like, play, like, so Linkath does, he commits to, like, going to the other side of the map and walks into a ward, and if Prime's bot lane was, like, better, or, like, it was, like, better, like, uh, drafted, this would have been one of those, like, iconic, like, G2, like, dive situations where the game's over, at three minutes and he does all the, the check marks but because other players like let the play down like he can't like execute on it but it's actually like so good like jungling just and then a massive like risk and gamble to take in game five and it took like actual balls to do you know what i mean like it was really 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 good to like see him like do that and it just and, and, and that game ended up at elder but it could have been they could have been ahead at like five minutes and it's so crazy to see like that type of like thing and how contrasting that is 
in terms of like League of Legends, and that's like a, a lot of what you see at like the ERL levels, where you've got like little packets and groups of players or individuals have got ideas or like really good ideas on like what to be doing about the game, and then their teammates are just like, well, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know what we're doing today. Prime was a terrorist in half of those games, by the way. Yeah, this guy was, yeah, not it. But uh, yeah, so again, just to sort of finish framing it. So yeah, that's obviously EU Masters, which is now at the semi-final stage. Now Team Go are playing against everyone's favorite team to hate, K Corp, uh, who smashed the EMEA champions, uh, Istanbul Wildcats, 3-0 in their quarterfinals. So they're playing against each other. I have to say, I don't fancy Go's chances uh, in that one. I do think K Corp, when they you know get their shit together, is a much cleaner, more coordinated team. Um, but yeah, so that'll be, uh, the final's actually going to be in Montpellier as well, I believe, in the same place where the... Oh, uh, vibes, place, vibes, so. you know, yeah. European, and Montpellier is going to become the new, uh, mecca of European esports. Yeah. Here's something that I want to kind of, uh, talk about though. I didn't watch the game, um, but two things. One, we're actually really close to signing Ragnar. That's a really interesting point that I think yeah. viewers would enjoy. We're like... Good job. Nine, that's like a, uh, no, it's a good idea we're, though. We're 95% there. Um, I think he was close with a lot of teams. It just came down to like preference plus, I think maybe interviews and a couple other things. Okay. Um, you know, actually, and, by the way, just to give, give a little bit more on this one, it was actually very surprising to me that he wasn't signed, not because um, of his level or whatever, which I think is LEC level, um, he'll probably be better for it having done another split in, in ERL at this point as well, though I think he looks even better. But the amount of teams who were seemingly like fighting over Ragnar, for him to then end up not being on any of those teams was really weird to me. But sorry, I mean, he, he had good he had good POVs. Um, and I think, I mean, if I had to say anything about him, he could work on his communication and laning a bit. I know he thinks his laning is like his strong point, but I think he could work on his laning a little bit. But these things can be taught, and it's like it's not like he doesn't have hands. He has good hands. He's been actually performing well at the ERA level for a long time. I know I mentioned aggressive Ushigenda, um, and then uh, Oscar Rinnan, and who was the other one? Uh, the irrelevant. Other, irrelevant. But then Adam. there was also Rag there was also Ragnar as well. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I mean, Adam's been in LEC for a while now, so I can't oh, okay, really okay. count him. Uh, I don't know. I, it just, it, it was a really close decision and, and it ended up being, uh, it ended up being, uh, Ragnar, Armut and, and, uh, and, uh, like a good version of Armut for me. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, I think the kind of, uh, kind of misconception with us was we were actually still a two year project until the very end obviously when you sign Yankos, you're not really a two-year project anymore out of respect for his career so that is something that i spoke incorrectly and uh, on like twitter um it was still technically a two-year project because we built four members of the team to be a two-year project before we signed Yankos. but it was like our expectations were let's try and make worlds at least right um and and at that point it, it came down to who do we think can prove uh, provide like um, better results in spring summer, assuming that Evie's English will improve in, in in winter, and that I think that was the kind of the gamble. So yeah, I thought that would be interesting for the fans. Um, and then you talked about Duke. Yeah, I think he's like one of the top minds in the game. I actually think Mephisto is also very very good. Um, Duke and Mephisto, they just maybe don't work well together. I don't know what happened there at Vitality, but 
they, they have really good minds for the game and they have a really good roster. If you be fair to them, they did go top two in LFL spring, where I think they did underperform. And at EU Masters, the only reason they lost was it was very close. It went to five games against Heretics Academy. Yeah. And Heretics, to be fair, won an ERL, like won EU Masters last year with Jack. And they changed Jack for Flackard, which, to be fair, I think arguably Flackard was the better player at that time. I yeah. think, I mean, I actually, I do think that Flackard was just better yeah. at everything um, because of his experiences at G2. So they had essentially the same EU Masters winning team and they went to five games, but with an LEC 80 carry. And, and Flackard is an LEC level 80 carry. Yeah. Uh, Rich, you give a lot of hate to Flackard, but no, um... mate, my, I, I, this is a this is a very this is something we should talk about. Though. This is a very <laughs> co- common misconception, though. Like I, I even yeah. said, I even showed this to someone from Heretics who's asked me about it. I was like, go and actually go on Advanced Twitter and put in my Twitter username and put in Flack's name, and you'll see I do as many positive tweets about Flack as I do quote unquote negative. I stand by everything I've ever said on Flack. And one thing I will say as well is Flack since like the infamous list or whatever has yeah. improved as a player he is a okay, better, okay. That is, player. that's something i wanted to talk about though actually because i i spoke to you briefly about this privately last time as well i, I don't know if you remember but um that list is what gives you that notor- notoriety yeah. because you put like 15 80 carries above him stand by every and, single name wait, on that list and, and at here's the, the time thing. of posting at the time last year i also thought he wasn't that great even though he's my teammate i actually so to be fair to rich and to give credit to Flackard, I actually thought that he wasn't that great at the time. This shit can change. Um, it's a, a novel and, idea. But, but, but he, he's, he's something that I want to talk about in case, you know, j- just for, for people to understand how Flackard is as a player. Uh, and we're a bit off topic, but this guy lives, breathes League of Legends. He plays 15 games a day, and you can tell the way that he's improved. He plays 15 games solo queue a day. He plays scrims. He wakes up. He's like... You know, he, he's fully committed to, to League of Legends. And I do think that that method to improvement and he's, and he's very coachable. He's very coachable as well. So I actually think that there's a world um, where you could argue that Flackett could be or is a top 380 carry based on what he brings to a team in terms of team environment. Because it's not just about the game, right? Team environment. He's actual player as well, to be fair. Um, I don't think that he worked like the best with Mercer this year in terms of lane dominance. You're deafened. No, oh, okay. He knows he was just me. Oh, okay. And and uh, yeah, I mean, I th- I actually think that Flackett is is really good, and I wanted to kind of give you a chance to defend yourself in public in one of your Euroleague <laughs> episodes because I do think that you didn't intend to say that he was just here, bad. Here, well, no, here, here. You just wanted to say that he was bad at the time, but he's actually well, good no, now. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. First of all, I never ever said he was bad. I don't think he's ever, or since I've started talking about Flack, I don't think he's ever been bad. If you look at the list of players that I put above him at the time, because obviously things change, spoiler alert,